Friday and happy September and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And Jim, speaking of airplane nerds from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I brought reinforcements today. It's uh, it's a real privilege to uh, to bring along a guest, uh, somebody that, uh, that I'm proud to consider a friend. And uh, he has admitted, at least uh, in private, that he considers me a friend as well. Um, please welcome Jack Pelton, who is uh, chairman of the board at EAA and our uh, our chief executive officer. Jack, thanks so much for taking a few minutes uh, to come and, and chat with us about The Rocketeer. Well, Jim and Hal, it's, uh, it's great to be on the show. I've been following the podcast for quite some time, and uh, you guys certainly have brought on a lot of very, very interesting guests. And uh, I think have kind of kind of brought the movie back to where it needs to be, which is, you know, out publicly again and, and getting the, the fan base around it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great feature film. I really enjoy it. Well, it really is a, a love letter to, uh, you know, to the, so many things, the, the period films, the, the old serials, and of course the, you know, vintage aviation, which is an interest you and I have had in common, uh, forever. And it's certainly, when you watch it, it brings out that, uh, I don't want to say Walter Mitty, but that little, that boy in us all that wishes we could fly. And when you, you know, we see him put that rocketeer, on his back and, and put the helmet on. I think we all deep down have said, I really want to do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is one of our best minutes for that because you always wanted to fight with a giant <laughs> on top of a Zeppelin. Lothar's a pretty interesting guy. When you, when you see him in the movie, you know, I'm not sure how to react. You say, hello, Lothar, this is Jack and shake his hand or you just run like crazy <laughs> yeah, the other exactly. way. Cause you're not sure what's going to happen. Right. It's just a wall of a man. Definitely a, a man on a mission. He really, I mean, there's, there's so many things going on in his life, but he just, you know, I, I have to re- restrain or stop the rocketeer. And, uh, well, why not with a wrench? I think <laughs> no, nobody ever reaches for like a large screwdriver or anything else. It's got to be a big open crescent wrench that, uh, looks like it's, it's the thing that you screw the, cockpit of the uh the zeppelin onto the bottom of that's probably about the same uh, width for the for the nuts that, that are holding it on yeah i was really surprised that it was a wrench because i i would have thought on his tool belt of things that he uses to assassinate people with it would have been a can of wd-40 i thought that would have been more appropriate to spray them right there and yeah, just sort of like bug spray yeah. or you could do the old james bond thing and hold the lighter in front of the aerosol can um, and mm-hmm. make a little mini flamethrower out of it in, in watching that though i kept every every second i'm thinking <laughs> This thing's got to blow up. I mean, yeah. we, we all know how the Hindenburg went, and, and right. here they are dancing around on the top of the, of the Zeppelin, thinking this is going to end really badly. Well, we've, we, we've joked a number of times across the show about uh, about uh, I think it was Chekhov's old adage, you know, if you show a gun in, in Act One, it better go off in Act Three. And I think that's you know we saw a Zeppelin in newsreel in Act One, so here we are in Act Three. We we all know what's going to happen. And uh, and Jim, and I think, uh, no spoilers, but I think when that does happen, we're going to have a, a guest on who's going to talk a lot about how they did it. Yeah, I, I, we'll have, a, have some pretty be- good behind the scenes. I'm, I was trying to think of Zeppelins that didn't blow up, and the only one I can think of is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade would be the, the only one where they, they didn't <laughs> yeah, show a Zeppelin that, that one, blew uh, up, but it was, it was in the movie. That one made it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stunner of a... <laughs> this, is, this is a stunner of a set. I mean... We all have in our heads how big a, a Zeppelins were in, in real life, and this right. seems to get the scale right. Just these gigantic gas bags floating floating in the skies. It's, it's amazing to think about in sea, let alone have uh, you know, a, a, a big fist fight. 
you know, speaking of gas bags in the sky, t- today's kind of a, a memorable day because it was just over two years ago that Hal and I had an opportunity to fly the Zeppelin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a delightful, wholly appropriate segue. Was, was that a great segue? Yeah, yeah. As soon as Jim said gas bags in the sky, I just thought, okay, somebody's got to mute. Somebody's got to mute Jack. Wow. Here it is. It's over the plate. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did, how did, but, uh, how did yeah, it all the, come about? Well, um, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, uh, I mean, number one, Jack and I were joking yesterday about uh, about poor Jim, how we were going to have this conversation and say, well, you know, sixty six percent of the people on today's show have flown a zeppelin. <laughs> You know, nobody nobody likes to rub it in, Jim. And that's another reason for you to come to Air Venture in Oshkosh. I, I think so. I'll, I'll keep. I think yes. I, we might have the Zeppelin there next year, and we could then make it a full hundred percent of our attendees today. I'll, yeah. I'll bring I'll, I'll bring my cable and wrench. We'll be all. I don't think I have a hat. <laughs> exactly, you could run around on the top. Uh, anyway, so you know, Goodyear has a long history, of course, of of airships of of all kinds, both uh, Zeppelins, which would have been uh, rigid airships with. Uh, with multiple sort of uh, ballonets inside of of the of hydrogen in this case, um, later helium, um, and and if you call it a zeppelin, that means it is uh, that is a brand name. So Goodyear, Goodyear built zeppelins and then later uh, sort of under license, and then later built uh, built blimps, which they're sort of more famous for. And a few years ago, um, they. Uh, started retiring their traditional blimps, which are non-rigid. It's basically a big bag full of helium, and brought out uh, an, uh, the new Zeppelin uh, uh, NT that uh, uh, made in Germany, you know, what they call Wingfoot One, and uh, and now they've since launched Wingfoot Two. So they were bringing that to Oshkosh to sort of inaugurate it, and it's actually, uh, uh, as I recall, Jack, it says the Zeppelin NTs are a semi-rigid. They've got they've got a keel and then a few individual. Uh, a few individual ballonets, if I remember right. That yeah, that's that's my understanding is how how they're produced, and that's in Friedrichshafen, Germany, home of yes. Dorn, the Dornier Aircraft Company. Oh, okay, yeah. And the the classic uh, classic home of of, uh, of airships, the Airship Museum is out there, high on my bucket list. I spent a lot of time or a fair amount of time in Germany, but never made it out to Friedrichshafen. But anyway, one of them came to Oshkosh, and uh, I was uh, changing roles at EA at the time, going from the social media stuff to. Uh, writing, you know, bigger and more bloated, long-winded stories for the magazine outside of the 140 characters on Twitter. Uh, I got uh, assigned to do uh, do a story about the airship, and I um, was extraordinarily lucky to be able to sort of write it in first person because I've been, been in love with airships my whole life. I found a book that uh, Goodyear had sent me when I was about 10 years old in response to a letter I'd sent them. Uh, so it was arranged that uh, that I would get a flight. Then I bumped into Jack around the office, and he and he gave me his classic sort of raised eyebrow. So I heard you're going for a ride on the Zeppelin. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they sort yeah. of wandered off back down the hall, as, as, is, uh, as is his want. So we started talking, and I started negotiating with the people at Goodyear. How many seats do I have on this? And we, we you only have one, just to be clear. Well, it's true. I only had one. <laughs> Although, as I remember, Jack, when you and I showed up for the flight, you were talking to the Goodyear guy, and he just sort of shrugged and said, "Look, it's all up to Hal. He's uh, this is he his did. flight." So, so that was a uh, that was an extraordinary feeling of raw power. But anyway, we're rambling here a bit. But uh, you know, long story short, Jack was able to to ride along. We took that flight together. Both of us got uh, got some time at the controls. Very, very different uh, uh, from the controls, of course, uh, aboard this uh, this airship. It's all fly-by-wire. It's a side stick. The, 
uh, wing foot one cockpit looks more like an Airbus than just about anything else with a tiny, tiny little side stick. And it is about, uh, roughly speaking, maybe about a third of the length of the, the Luxembourg, the fictional Luxembourg and Hindenburg and Graf Zeppelin. Wow. I, when I was a kid, being a New Jersey boy, I went uh, to Lakehurst, New Jersey, to uh, Hangar Number 1, which is uh, where all the, the big Zeppelins used to park <laughs> for, for the Navy, the Navy, uh, the Navy ships. Uh, the dirigibles used to park there. And although they're gone, uh, they still have model airplane shows that go on inside the hangar. That's how big this hangar is. And I, I have participated in a few of those. Oh, really? On a, yeah, we had a uh, supplier that was Bendix out in, in uh, oh shoot, Eatontown, New Jersey. And on weekends when I was there on business, I would stay. And I like to fly indoor rubber-powered model airplanes, which that hangar is famous for endurance contests yeah. of flying the, the small airplanes. The, the scale of it, it, it's impossible to, I mean, you can see pictures of it, but the scale of it when you're there is just, it, 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 your mind just tries to wrap itself around it saying, this is, it's bigger than like a domed football stadium, the length of it, at least. That's how it was to me as a, as a 10 year old. I was like, this is the biggest building I think I've ever been in. And it, it's just, uh, it, the scale is something that you try to picture what the, and the, the, they had photos of uh, dirigibles inside that took up the length of the of the hangar so just it it really impressed me about how much how much gas there was up floating in the sky these, these things must have been like like clouds at at the time just uh they flew i was, I was astonished as a kid and i'm still even looking at pictures of them today it's, it's an amazing way to travel in the uh the story that i did about uh about the goodyear airship i related a story my dad always told and i won't uh, won't belabor it here but he was about five years old, and he saw the USS Macon fly over his home outside Los Angeles. And uh, it was, he said it was probably five to 800 feet above the ground. And, you know, this was an airship that was roughly 1,000 feet long. And he's, here's this little five-year-old just sort of out playing uh, on the sidewalk, and then hears this noise and sees this thing sort of come out of, them, out of the fog. And uh, just how amazed he was. And he was running door-to-door, just banging on, like, strangers doors so that somebody else would come out and see this just because he, he said nobody will believe me if they saw what i tried to what i saw you know drifting overhead and uh and now of course uh uh it's come full circle for me because i get to walk through our museum and we have a propeller uh from the making on display it's even something you can you can actually touch and uh strange for me to just touch this thing that so impressed my dad as a five-year-old you know 85 years ago uh but at least no, nobody was fighting on the on the roof like we're watching we're watching here with, well uh, the, now wait a minute oh, oh, there was some there was some some controversy inside of the zeppelin during this flight that we had uh, <laughs> i had flown the, the goodyear airship and, and certainly there as hal yes. mentioned significantly different type of flying machine kind of a more vectored thrust on the zeppelin but hal and i were dueling over who was going to get uh the stick time first <laughs> and, and that got kind of ugly. It did. Uh, it did quite nearly come to blows. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness uh, your lovely wife Rose was there to. Uh, That's uh, not to a good thing. Because because Hal is her favorite friend, so I I felt really as if I was the third wheel in this whole deal. <laughs> so the, the the battle for who was the finest pilot, uh, the finest yeah. Zeppelin pilot of all of Oshkosh was on the line. <laughs> it was. It, exactly. it got ugly. I'll tell you. But uh, but at no point was anybody thrown out. As far as anyone knows. I mean, what happens out over Lake Winnebago, you know. As, as Rose likes to say, and no one got hurt. How, how, do, how do they go uh, up? I'm wondering, do you go in the pattern? Is there a pattern for 
for blimps? Do they follow it like regular aircraft or do they just kind of? They do actually, you know, at Air Venture where we operate when the, when the Zeppelin is there and we operate it out of what's called Pioneer Field, which is a grass runway behind our museum. There's all the air show activities and crowds and there's actually a defined pattern for how the, how the Zeppelin will, will navigate. Uh, it's kind of a racetrack circular pattern but uh yeah it's 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 incredible how nimble and precise it actually flies compared to the original airships that goodyear used to used to put up in the air i guess a little more difficult to do touch and goes though i would think i don't know if uh (laughs) actually you'd be surprised this uh this thing can sort of motor right down as jack mentioned it's got it's got a degree of vectored thrust it's got a three different uh um, three engines driving four propellers, if I remember correctly. So there's two on the side that uh, that rotate sort of traditionally as you would expect, uh, and then uh, then there's one at the tail that uh, that has a propeller that can do forward thrust, and something that's more like an anti torque rotor or tail rotor on a helicopter for side to side. The, the people I feel sorry for is sort of the ground crew because you know you used to need you know 50, 60 people in trucks and everything else and. Uh, just to get the thing sort of down and moored, and this thing can fly itself right down to the ground, set down on its wheel, uh, keep the engines running, hold itself there while you know people uh, get on and off, and then and then fly off away and go do it again. Yeah. Uh, it's it's incredibly maneuverable. And actually, the the uh, end result in the ninety fifth minute of the Rocketeer may have been different if it was in the modern Zeppelin, because this thing has enormous sightseeing windows in it. One of the features of the new Zeppelin is they, they had thought part, one of the markets they were going after was truly doing sightseeing tours. So you could put one up in San Francisco and do a, a city tour and see the Golden Gate Bridge and all the high rises and other, other things. Harris Sinclair would have been able to have seen low Ah, uh, that's true. Come yes. Swinging towards the... Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably use plexiglass <laughs> windows, too, I would think. The new Zeppelin. <laughs> yes. Better. Yeah, yeah. it would be a lot lighter. Yeah. And that's something that I'm not sure off the top of my head and... and uh, Jim, we uh, we have a mutual friend over at airships.net. We had talked early on about getting on for some of these segments, so we'll have to ask him about whether they would have used any actual glass uh, in the German Zeppelins at the time. But it sure makes for a good effect when somebody goes smashing through it. Yeah, plexiglass was around for a while. I mean, I think it was around in the 20s. I'm, uh... Right. And the British had their version Perspex yes. that they used on uh, fighter cockpits and things like that. Was was duct, duct tape around in the 20s? That's a good question. Let's let's ask. I'll the talk internet. slowly while Jim gets his <laughs> mic and looks us up, and uh, and in moments Jim will act like we've all known all along. That's how we do it here on this show. Funnily, funnily enough, there was a material called duct tape uh, as early as uh, 1902. It, it what what it was is an early, uh, at least a printed version of it was that uh, 1902 steel cable supporting the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, were first covered in linseed oil, then wrapped in duct tape before being laid in place. So there was a type of duct fabric with a, with a mucilage on it. Again, if, if Lothar had duct tape, it may have turned out differently. Yeah. Oh, duct tape and WD-40. I mean, the, the, world, the world could have been conquered easily. So. Thank goodness it didn't <laughs> fall into the wrong hands. Hal, any idea on the particular the scrambled eggs uh, hat that the that the captain's wearing is that a typical nazi hat or you know a, that, is that a typical that Zeppelin looks to me hat? like yeah more like a uh, the sort of semi-civilian and and jack please chime in you may know this better than me but it does i read about second 51 there it does look like that is a if it's not a a proper sort of civilian uh zeppelin captain's hat it's certainly very credible it's got that kind of uh sort of that German eagle around the wreath, and then there's the blue circle in the middle with the Zeppelin across it. Um, I'll be honest with you, we, I would need to look that up to say uh, to say for certain. But if it's if it's not 
correct. It's it's very credible, and it would be in that. Uh, these were these were sort of government operations, but but it was uh, it was an individual corporation. It was you know, Zeppelin Luftschiffbau that would operate these as passenger liners and things. Uh, you know, not of course the fictional Luxembourg, but the real Hindenburg and Graf Zeppelin, and then very briefly the Graf Zeppelin II. So it would have been uh, civilian, but have a kind of a paramilitary look. And I noticed he didn't have the Zeppelin wings. That oh, did I mention Hal that I have a pair of Zeppelin <laughs> wings? You, having having you get those, Jim. I was. <laughs> Where'd you get those, Jack? Sorry, jeez. Yeah, flustered. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, Jim's got them too. Yeah. After the uh, piloting of the Zeppelin and navigating so brilliantly around Lake Winnebago <laughs> and Air Venture, uh, with my friend Hal and my wife in the back. Uh, I was officially awarded by how a set of Zeppelin wings. So I do have to give a quick shout to uh, to my friend Abby Manali, who runs a, a great uh, great business called Altered History. In fact, she would have been an, she'd be an interesting guest. So you never know. Maybe we'd reach out to her. She manufactures uh, sort of patches and pins and insignia and things um, that are very much right in this uh, this era. There's sort of a, a little bit of a steampunk element to some of the stuff that she does. But she did this beautiful set of 25 a limited run of 25 sterling silver zeppelin pilot wings and uh, of course uh, as soon as they came out i being the uh, the kind and generous individual that i am um, as soon as i heard about it i immediately ordered a set for myself <laughs> and uh, to, i have to uh, test it out yes exactly sense. i have number one of 25 and I, I just i had those for a while and then uh then this, uh, this crazy opportunity came along where uh hal and jack's excellent zeppelin adventure and uh, so then I reached out to her and said, oh, please tell me you have one left. And I think she had number, she had one or two left. I can't remember, Jack, if yours were numbered 24 or 25. 23 other people out there have these, but ours are, ours are better because... You've got the bookends, yes. You've exactly. got the locomotive and the caboose, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, we'll have to get a picture of, of that to put on the, uh, on the site for, for today's uh, episode. Uh, what, one thing I want I wanted to point out while we're we're looking at the interior of the Zeppelin, I remember also as a kid going to the National Air and Space Museum, and there's a beautiful display. Hopefully, it's still there. I haven't been in there in a while, but they had a beautiful display on Zeppelins, uh, showing the uh, the engineering of getting rid of weight on a on the ship. And you can see in the background the struts, the trusses that are uh, that are holding up the uh, the framework of the ship have many holes drilled into them. Sure. And uh, not only that, but if you if you hold the material, the material is aluminum and magnesium, which rather than uh, the standard iron uh, or, or you know thin, very thin metal parts or even copper, there was so much lighter weight. There was a uh, there was an exhibit where they had uh, uh, an aluminum frame and a magnesium frame, and the magnesium frame was even lighter than uh, than the aluminum by about half, and you could lift both the, uh, the trusses made out of the two different materials and finding. You know, feeling the difference was just incredible, and then applying it to a ship that you know goes back to the horizon, uh, the 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 ability to get rid of that much weight was a fantastic achievement back then. Well, there were so many things too. Uh, you know, the Hindenburg had so many uh, so many amenities, but it was uh, it was this constant trade off. As I mean, everything we found in aviation is always sort of a trade-off between you know sort of weight and performance and all those sorts of things. So you, there was a piano bar. Uh, on the Hindenburg, and there was even a smoking lounge, which seems like a just dreadfully bad idea in retrospect. But there was a piano bar on the Hindenburg, and they had a special custom-built aluminum grand piano. So it was, you know, we couldn't sort of we couldn't 
not travel across the Atlantic or couldn't travel across the Atlantic without without live music because you know we're not barbarians, but <laughs> we have to make the piano pretty uh, pretty light. But uh, Jack, you've had uh, an amazing career in aviation with uh, Douglas and Dornier, and of course uh, uh, CEO at uh, at Cessna before coming to EAA. So you're you're no stranger to uh, uh, leading teams that try to solve these challenges in terms of performance and 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 all these different trade-offs yeah the the uh probably the biggest dilemma you have in any new development program is making sure that the weight does not uh, grow or increase over what your predicted uh you know weight metrics were and i can't think of a single program where they halfway into the development they're already into a weight reduction program and you know thinking of an of an airship and how critical the weight would be that had to be a phenomenal design challenge to get every possible ounce out of there to ensure that it would perform properly uh, I can remember working for uh, British Aerospace. Uh, uh, there was an upgrade for the uh, the uh, BAE 146 as it was turning into the uh, RJ 70. A lot of uh, a lot of the the sales were done in South America where they didn't have things like uh, jetways and stuff, and they tr- they wanted to put an onboard uh, ladder to you know a stairwell a stairway to come out, and the stairway that they wound up building was so light uh you could actually pick it up yourself this was you know i mean it was a full size it was a full-size ladder but you could carry it in one hand it was it was so lightweight and kind of scary because the uh, i mean the 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 strut work and things were so thin you thought oh this is going to split when somebody steps on it but it could hold i think it was something like 350 pounds uh, uh for you know individual stairways could hold 350 pounds easily and uh that was that was my introduction to figuring out uh, figuring out weight reduction but that like you were saying jack it goes through every system that everybody wants just a little you know a couple of ounces off of this button or that uh you know that chair wasn't the ba-146 probably one of the greatest three engine airplanes i mean uh, the story they always told was that all four never worked at the same time so you always had at least three on approach <laughs> yes yes we've heard that yeah we had um one of the stories that i heard about uh trying to sell it to american airlines was uh, robert crandall was at a meeting and uh, famous <laughs> Robert Crandall did not have a, a, a his kindness and politeness with salespeople. Oh, I, ha- I have a great Robert Crandall story for you. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, let me let me let me tell this one. He was he was um he was looking at the one forty six, and they had all the sales guys there showing it. And he goes, "Let me give you four reasons why we're never going to buy a one forty six. And he just pointed at the models. And just, <laughs> And that was the end of that that sales meeting. My, my boss, the uh, program manager of the MD-80 program, which we had sold an enormous number of, of MD-80s to, to American Airlines, which really kind of solidified the, the program, uh, was having terrible dispatch reliability problems. So he said, you know, you've got to come with me and help convince Mr. Crandall that we've got all of these things in place that are going to solve all of these issues. And so we're in his office and I'm going through this brief and he's going through the data and he, he always had these reader glasses that he would wear on the end of his nose and he takes his glasses this glass off and he throws it at me across the desk and <laughs> it misses and and there's a lot of profanity going on and and he's yelling and screaming and and i thought oh my gosh this is awful my career's over with i'm i'm done my boss is in there you know watching all this and as we leave uh i'm kind of shaking my head and crandall's secretary says oh don't worry in his lower right hand drawer he has about 50 pairs of those that he throws usually on a daily basis with people. <laughs> <laughs> and then l- l- later, uh, things got significantly better over time. And he invited me to this employee 
recognition dinner that he had in kind of a similar typical Crandall fashion. Uh, back then, we were finally moving into the era of no smoking in the offices or buildings, and we're at this dinner table in a big convention area, and he's got a private... He smoked incredible number of cigarettes. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. And so he's got this little private yeah. ashtray under there, and this is a no smoking event of which he's smoking like crazy, and his assistant is making sure the ashtray gets emptied frequently. I thought, wow, this is a whole different era. I, uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I got called into your office and you screamed profanity and threw things at me, Jack. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been months. Um, can't wait to see you Monday. <laughs> well then, I'll bring a box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you'll, have my, you'll have my file uh, ready, as always. No, we have to go to that other building where your file is kept because it's, it, oh, it, it, it takes separate. the entire building yes. to house your file. Yes, the Hal Bryan Human well, Resources mm-hmm. wing. <laughs> yes. and, a, and a bigger box for the Chachkis, yes. I can imagine. Oh, I think so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Chotskys are... Yes, all the little Rocketeers and toy cars and Star Wars figures and stuff around my desk. Because I'm a professional, all right? That's yeah. that's how you know. Although although uh, you haven't added anything new of recent, so it's been kind of kind of quiet recently. I think you need to get a... You need to find a Lothar action figure on a rope, or just a, uh, just swinging that, like a pendulum. You know, I've got this the little a... inflatable Goodyear uh, Wingfoot one that hangs over my... Uh, hangs uh, from the ceiling over my desk. I should get a little tiny Lothar that can fall off the top and swing around. I need a full-size Lothar next to my door. That would be... Wouldn't that be a great intimidating... <laughs> yes. You really want to come see him? <laughs> you have to first get through Lothar. And, and have the wrench oh, in his gosh. hand, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, you yes, know, we know course, the guy yeah, who yeah. has the uh, prosthetics that were used in the film. And really? Those are yeah. that yeah, mask and prosthetics are still uh, still exist. If you can believe that, uh, he's got those on display at home. So, one one of the greatest thing one of the greatest things about this uh, this podcast is that I thought that I was obsessing on the Rocketeer. I thought I was just obsessed and. <laughs> Hal, Hal first proved me wrong, and then we've met so many other people who were just pikers and amateurs when it comes to collecting and, and obsessing about this great movie. You know, and it's, I find it fascinating that there hasn't been, I don't want to say a sequel, but, but something themed similarly, which has you know the, the innovation and, and wonderlust of a different form of flying, yet also has all those beautiful airplanes that are in Rocketeer. Um, I mean, that's what I found so uh, kind of romantic about the movie. It's... It had the, the you know the vintage history, but also that dream of where's this all going to go? And you think with space and going to Mars and all the other things that somebody would come out with a uh, some other new exciting movie like The Rocketeer. Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest we came to it was uh, Joe Johnson's other movie, the, uh, the Captain America movie with that giant flying wing, which was just fascinating. But they didn't to me they didn't spend enough time in it. They should have had more things going. I mean, just the the idea of having bombs labeled Chicago and New York and stuff and uh, it, it just seemed like, you know, that that they could have gone further with that. But it was, I, I guess, just a, a taste of what could have been with if they had ever done Rocketeer two and Rocketeer. And of course, 3. As we've talked about many times on the show. There's, you know, at the time we're recording this, uh, there's a project out there called the Rocketeers, which uh, which would be a, a sequel of sorts uh, set, I think, in late World War two. And we don't know much uh, much about it beyond that. Uh, um, so far as we know, again, at this point, Danny Bilson, the screenwriter, of uh, one of the two screenwriters of the original film, is not involved. Although he's heard that uh, uh, Max Winkler, Henry Winkler's son, is uh, is maybe attached to it. Um, and uh, and our, our our dear friend Billy is uh, has not yet been approached for his Luke Skywalker style uh, 
you know, mentor role, but he's promised to tell us if he is. So who knows? Hopefully we'll hear about that in the next, uh, in the next 20 episodes because we are running. I can't get over how fast this thing is going. It's just, we're, I, I just, I was looking the other day at a, at a spreadsheet of all of our episodes and it's just only a tiny March of days left, uh, before we, uh, we have yeah, to say goodbye we're to here on September 1st and our, our last episode, uh, is slated to come out September 21st. So we're in the, uh, so what's yeah, next? Slide. three weeks to go and. Oh, I guess dear. I might go and start focusing <laughs> on work again, but otherwise, hmm. I don't know. That's Jack. an interesting concept. <laughs> work. <laughs> yes, some work. kind of uh, you know Monday through Friday productivity, but. Oh, hell! You don't need to. You don't need it, to get crazy. Thing, it, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Why start now? But uh, it, how, how do you? And how did you guys find out that there was some sort of? Uh, something in the works, as you as you put it. How, how where do you where do you get this information? I, th- I find that fascinating. Nerd blogs, I guess, would be the, the simplest way to do it. Sort of yeah. rumors. I, th- I think that I think there was a Hollywood Reporter. I think was the one that mentioned it, and then it was it was just it was just in indistinct enough that we it, it you when you read the article, all these people were attached to it, and nobody was talking, and they didn't really have any other details other than a press release. So it's very, it's frustrating, especially when you want to see something like that. Absolutely. But you know, it has been interesting because the, uh, you know, the character and just sort of refuses to go away. It's one of these things that, um, you know, star Wars had a, had a long, long period with sort of no central film activity, but there was a lot of ancillary stuff and things that kept it going. And so you've got the rocketeer, which is, a movie that is sort of orders of magnitude smaller, um, but it's been out there 25 years. But there's been a fairly, maybe not steady, but there's been a, been you know lots of periods with different merchandise that still comes out, continuing stories in comics. There's a big uh, book of, uh, of short stories uh, written, so not not graphic novel, but, but prose short stories. So people still keep. Uh, keep the character alive and then of course collectors like mike bruno and and uh you know great costumers and and builders like uh like jamie hicks artists like adam hicks out there that are all uh you know continuing to sort of keep the keep the image of this thing alive so it's it could just be my eternal optimism but it just seems inevitable that we'll see more stuff we'll come back to it uh come back to it somehow and certainly, Jim, everybody we have talked to on the show that had any involvement with it from, you know, extras to uh, writers to uh, aerial coordinator and, and, of course, the star himself, um, everybody looks back on this movie with affection. Everybody everybody loves this thing and, and is proud of it, as as they should be. Yeah, it is a deep a deep love for the character. I mean, I, I don't think we've talked to anybody who said, I had a miserable time. Well, we've heard... <laughs> We've heard that Joe Johnson may have had a miserable time, but I still right. think he enjoyed the characters and and working with the creator Dave Stevens. So, I, I, hopefully, someday, somewhere in the future, maybe long after this podcast is done, there'll be a new generation of uh, Rocketeers out there. I, I look forward to that movie, whatever whatever it may be. Hopefully, and Jack will we'll work one. on getting it uh, getting it to AirVenture on our big outdoor screen, and you and I can go up and introduce it. That would be really really fun. And and what 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 about uh, also having somebody in a in a parachuting wing suit with a rocket on their back? There you go. Mm. Or we could get uh, um, we could get our friends at, at Jetpack to, mm-hmm. to come out. Oh uh, sure, would... he'd come fly in in a in a his real uh, his real jetpack. That's uh, you know they're up to like, I think nine or even almost ten minute 
flight times now, which is seems short, but that is absolutely staggering when you consider we've been at that 32nd-ish mark for you know, 40 plus years, 50 years even. Yeah. He said that they, they really don't want to go more than three minutes because people get <laughs> bored, which I think both of us, both of us were just completely staggered by the idea that somebody could get bored watching a man yeah. in the sky. What, flying. What's the propellant? What kind of a dystopian future is this? What's, what's that, the Jack? propellant that they use in this, in Stefano's jetpack? So his, uh, they're actually using a, uh, uh, it's a true jetpack there. He's actually using these, uh, some of these smaller turbine engines. So it's not like the old uh, hydrogen peroxide rocket belts that people like uh, Bill Souter and stuff were flying. Um, it's just regular yeah, Jet A, yeah, I think, so, isn't it? Is it um, yeah. And mentioning uh, Bill Souter, the, the famous Bell rocket pilot. We've actually talked to him a few times offline, and uh, he was interested uh, in, uh, in maybe joining us on the show, but uh, we're never able to, uh, to work that out. But it was, a, it was a, a real kick to talk to him. He is a colorful character. Anybody can strap one of these things on. You have to. I think you. You have. You by by default you are colorful. Yes. It was uh, quite an amazing thing to do it back then. Uh, still, still stunning to watch the watch the videos and stuff of it. Jack, thank you again so much for being on our show. It's uh, it, it really is as as Hal was saying. It's an honor and a privilege. And I know he gets to see you every day, but uh, I I appreciate being able to meet you. And hopefully, I'll get to see you face to face up in Oshkosh, and we can uh, look at planes together. Well, that you have. I mean. I want to hear the commitment. You are definitely coming to Oshkosh because Jim, you, it's. I, I've, I, yeah, I have to. I, I think you will. Uh, one, you know, you can't. We can't talk about what it's really like and and do it justice. You have to be there to experience it. It's it's just overwhelming and it's uh, sensory overload when you're when you're there for the week. And I, I want to talk to you about some more uh, uh, airplane sales uh, war stories <laughs> yes. because uh, I was uh, a dozen years with uh, British Aerospace, and there are oh, many. Yes, there are. <laughs> so, Plus, uh, Jim, I know a guy who can probably help you out with a wristband and get you in. So, oh, cool. Okay, I'm I'm so Excellent. there. <laughs> wow. Well, great. Well, for folks who'd like to join us on our conversations here, we are always available out there on the uh, social media. We're out there on the Twitter. We're, you can find us at uh, Rocketeer Minute. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute. Find us on the great big website, uh, rocketeerminute.com, where you can catch up on all the previous episodes, get some cool swag from Amazon, and leave us messages about how well we're doing. Uh, join us here next week. Uh, take the weekend off or catch up on previous episodes that you may have missed. And uh, we'll pick it up Monday as we get into the final round of uh, uh, Loth- fighting Lothar and, <laughs> and steering Zeppelins around here on the Rocketeer Minute. So until next time, over and out. <laughs> <laughs>